Abba Father, thank you for uh, the beautiful day and for friends and family gathering to be a part of uh, the grace that you give to be unashamed of the gospel, to be people who declare your truth, to believe you, take you seriously, take you at your word. Thank you for these things and gifts that are so kind. All good things come from you. God, would you please give us ears to hear and a heart to know and obey you, please. In Jesus' name, amen. We, uh, we're going to focus on fathers today. and I wanted to focus on a day in the life of a dad and develop some ideas from Scripture, what it means to be a dad, and uh, um, really, really focus on the good work of being a dad. Uh, some of you are about to be dads. You know, Tommy Lightmire is going to be a If you're about to be a dad, would you stand? First time dads, you're about to be a dad, okay? All right, look at this. Yep. This is cool. This is cool. So, you know, we, uh, Mother's Day is such a big deal. And so much focus is given to mom, and rightly so. But, you know, dads, uh, dads have an emotional side, too. Ladies, this may shock you. Dads, dads have emotions, you know. And they, uh, they love... Uh, I was reading some articles, some research, that men have a lot of stress at work. They have this workplace stress thing where they know they need to be home, but the demands of work are so heavy. And it's hard on guys. Uh, and they're committed to their own families, and yet they feel like they've got to provide... And so there's, there's, there's workplace, you know, family stress for guys too. So, um, men, I'm proud of you. The men of Christ Church are very proud of you. And the dads, uh, that you are the kind of fathers you are. Uh, I am fatherless. I don't have a dad, you know. And so I claim Psalm 68.5, that he is a father to the fatherless, you know. So when I pray, I'll oftentimes pray, Daddy. Or Abba Father, because it is it's the natural language of my own heart, and He is my Dad. So I'm grateful. We've got some new folks here. Now, heads up, we uh, we kind of have a shared conversation. We're we're you're allowed to raise your hand and interrupt me, okay? Unless you're Bruce Trice, and then you can't do that. So I'm just kidding. You hold it down. <clears throat> you hold it down, Bruce. So. But we want this to be an, an open conversation. We're family at the dinner table. We are not that kind of church that says, you sit down, you shut up. I'm going to pop your head open, tell you what I want you to think, and then when we're done, be sure and tithe and go out the door. See you next Sunday. We're not that kind of church. We're just the opposite. I dare you to turn your brain on. I dare you to think. I dare you to ask the hard questions. They're not going to scare me, okay? You're not going to scare me off because you asked some heavy-duty philosophical or, or theological question. Not going to bother me one bit. So let's relax. Let's learn. Uh, and really kind of uh, maybe, uh, maybe see manhood uh, in, a, in a fresh way. I hope. I hope so. Had an interesting uh, uh, moment yesterday. I just ran by Kroger to get some things. And I'm on Old Forge. And I take it right on Terrytown. I'm right there at the intersection. And I see a guy mowing the lawn. Now, this is not the guy. Uh, this is a really nice, cool-looking guy with a beard, and it all looks very nice. What I saw, I saw a guy that was ragged out, exhausted, in grass-stained, oil-soaked, greasy-looking outfit, 
And you know, the poor dude was probably, this is my, maybe his 10th lawn that day, and he was exhausted. What was the heat index yesterday, over 100? Uh, he, he looked just absolutely worn out. And he had a little, it looked like a five-year-old boy, no lawnmower, just walking behind Daddy. You know? <laughs> Daddy would turn and he would turn, you know? And I thought, wow. And there was no way I could get a picture, but I wanted to tell you the story. It was, it was gripping to see this worn-out, greasy, sweaty, grass-covered dad in a cheap lawnmower. He didn't, it wasn't one of those really nice professional you know, Super Center, uh, Center Acme Lawn Care Services, you know, of Chenal. No, this was like a single dad in a worn out truck trying to make a dollar, is what this was. And that little five-year-old boy, absolutely clean, <laughs> you know, he hadn't been working all day like that, just walking behind him, and I thought, wow, what a glimpse, what the pathos, the heart of that, that little boys looking up to dad, and dad doing his best to, to mow another lawn, make 35 bucks, whatever, whatever it is, and, uh, and pay the bills. I thought that was a beautiful story. So um, let's look at John's gospel. Th- this is something that I think is absolutely precious. What I want you to see here is, is the heart. I want you to see the father-son relationship language. So Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative. But the Father abiding in me does his work. Pay attention to that. Does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. That's amazing. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Let's walk through that. Let's get some ideas about what's, what's the backstory. This is, this is John 14. So Jesus is getting his disciples ready for the most traumatic moment of their lives, the arrest and the crucifixion of Jesus. Okay, And he's teaching them to get them ready for that. So notice 6 and 7. I'm the way, the truth, and life. You're very familiar with that. Verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. So this is really simple. To know Jesus is to know God. You know what I do. You know my caseload, all my clients. Did you know that, that my, my clients who've experienced abuse and struggle with, with their histories with their parents, did you know that it's going to be a verse just like this that really causes trouble for them? Because they see... 
They see Jesus as this, this kind, good man, but they see God as harsh and brutish in that Old Testament God, and they go, I don't like him. I like Jesus. He's good. He heals people. He's kind. He feeds the hungry. I like him. But they say, I don't, I don't like that God of the Old Testament. He's mean. He's harsh. He sets up rules that, that, that are, are intentionally make us fail. And they go, you know, my dad did that too, by the way. He set me up to fail. There's no way I could get out of my dad's trap or my mother's trap. They, they set you up. You're in a corner. You, you were beat either way. And they go, well, that's what God did. He made these rules that he knows we can't keep. And then he punished us for, can't, for not keeping the rules, you know. And they really struggle with that. Jesus is the hero. God is the zero. But look, look what he does. To see Jesus is the same as seeing the character of God, the face of God. So like Edie mentioned last Sunday, we've got a really damaged view of God from an Old Testament perspective. And the Old Testament is still the word of God, and I'm not writing it off. I'm just telling you, we misunderstand God. Jesus makes it clear, to see me is to see God. Philip said, well, then show us the Father, and it's enough. It's like, come on, give, well, this is what we want, please. Okay, it'll be enough. We're finally going to be happy if we get our way here. <laughs> and Jesus said, have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me? How is it that you say, show me the Father? Again, to see Jesus is to see God. To get one is to get the other. I love verse 10. Uh, Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? And then it goes, the words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. This is the work-a-day, this is the work-a-day Father. Uh, God, God's got grass stains on his jeans, you know? He smells like gasoline a little bit. You get the idea? He's working. He's not up there, you know, um, in a white robe strumming a golden harp or something. He's busy. And we're not used to the idea that God is busy doing things. He is doing his works through Christ. Okay? Now, this is what's amazing to me. Verse 11. Believe me that I'm in the Father. Father is in me. And if you can't handle that little nugget, how about this? Believe because of the works. That's amazing. The works of Jesus are a pure representation of the character of God. Okay? The works of Jesus are coterminous. They're the same as the character of God. And they're so pure that Jesus said, if you can just believe those, you're actually, it's a gateway into belief in God. And Jesus wasn't ashamed to say that or embarrassed to say that. 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Has, this, has those two verses ever bothered anybody? Has that been a problem yeah. for any of you? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you bet. Because it sounds to me like it's a blank check, right? God signs it, and I get to write what I want and the amount I want. And, you know, I've walked around my old Camry seven times. It's still not a BMW. I don't know what the deal is. So, uh, you know, we Westerners, we're very materialistic. We're really, really into those kinds of ideas. And you look at that, and you go like, wow. You mean I can, in Jesus' name, 
ask him to take away my depression and it'll happen? Or, or he'll change my mom or my dad or a particular problem. And then when God doesn't do it, guess what? You know the song, you're a good, good father. It's like, you're a bad, bad father. You don't do what I want. You don't do what I want, you know? And we get upset at him. And I think that's because we misunderstand the entire point, okay? Let's pay, let's pay close attention here, please. If you heard truth, would it matter to you? If you heard the truth, would it make a difference in your life? Would it? Then pay attention. Watch this. Whatever you ask in my name, do you think the name of Jesus is a qualifier? Sure it is. It's a qualifier. If you ask anything in my name, in other words, if you get the Hebrew way of thinking, if you ask something in accordance to that accompanies the name and character of Jesus, now we're getting somewhere. He said, I'll do it. Why? So that my Father may be glorified. Do you, if you can get those two things, it's going to unlock this passage of Scripture. So the question is this, am I asking things in keeping with his name that would actually glorify God? And if the answer is yes, then I think he's going to run to do it. But if I am asking for my own agenda, for my own purposes, for the sake of self-glory and not the glory of God, I think he's going to go... When you're done having your temper tantrum, you know, we'll talk. <laughs> when you're done having your little pity party, we'll talk. But meanwhile, you've got to get it straight. It's about the character of Jesus, and it's about the glory of God. What about a working man's hands? Mark 6, 2, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and the many listeners were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what is this wisdom given to him? and such miracles that were performed by his hands. I, I want to read a story to you. Um, this is from Jim Dobson. You might remember Jim. He started Focus on the Family years ago. This is a great, a great story, testimony from his life. This is what Jim writes. He said, I was told when I was just a small child, maybe two years of age, uh, we were living in a one-bedroom house and my little bed was located right next to the bed of my parents. My father said it was, a, it was common during that time for me to awaken at night and in my little voice whisper, Daddy, Daddy. Daddy would wake up and say, What, Jimmy? And little James Jobson would say, Hold my hand. Hold my hand. And my dad would reach across the darkness and find my little hand and finally engulfing it in his big hand. And he said, all of a sudden, it was no time between my, my, my little grip relaxed, my arm would go limp, my breathing would go regular and be heavy, and I would immediately fall back to sleep. And Jim says, I was just wanting to know that my dad was there. I just needed that little hand-holding thing just to give me some security. And I appreciate that so much because I think there, there's something there in our hearts. Okay, so men, um, I want to give you some things here that, that are going to be really important for you, okay? And this applies to all of us. This is, this is the, the daily work of a dad, all right? You ready? I'm not going to write them down for you. 
uh, or put them on the screen, because I want you to listen. I want you to believe that truth matters. You ready? Number one, men, do the good and hard work of a calloused faith. Do the good and hard work of calloused faith. Sometimes it's hard to believe, isn't it? There's doubts. Do the good and hard work of having a calloused faith. Secondly, do the good and hard work of prayer. Pray. Pray. Do the good and hard work, that everyday work of a man, a father, of memorizing God's word. Okay? Psalm 119.9 says, How does a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Guess what? How does an old man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Do the good work, the hard work of memorizing scripture. 119.11 says, Your word have I treasured, hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Number four, men, do the good and hard work of loving God with all your heart. Number five, do the good and hard work of obeying the Holy Spirit. Even when everything inside of you says run, dare to obey what is holy and pure and right in the eyes of Almighty God. Guys, number six is going to be a tough one. It's going to be real hard. Do the good and hard work of forgiving the people who accidentally fail you and those who deliberately hurt you. That's hard for a man. In case you don't know it, ladies, most men struggle with something. So it's a word you might be familiar with. It's called pride. It's a difficult thing that the average American male struggles with. You might be aware of this. Men have pride issues. Men do the good and hard work of forgiving the people who accidentally fail you or those who intentionally hurt you. It is life. It is, it is the grass stain and the grease and the dirt and the sweat of being human, and it's going to happen. Whether it's your spouse, your kids, your boss, uh, a relative, it doesn't matter. Your, your, your aging parents, it doesn't matter. We have got to learn, men, to do the good and hard work of forgiveness. Number seven, do the good and hard work of keeping your heart at home when you're required to be at work. The tension is there. You want to be with your wife. You want to be with your kids. You want to, to, to be there, right? You want to watch them grow up. But someone's got to pay the mortgage. Someone's got to, to, to buy the food, put gas in the tank, to, to do the insurance, and somehow think of retirement. And the burdens are heavy. We get it. You can still work hard. But keep your heart at home. Okay? Do the good and hard work of keeping your heart at home. Number eight. Do the good and hard work of loving your wife as Christ loved you. Now, the last two are really, really important. Okay? And, and this is specifically going to apply to Father's Day. Number nine. Do the good and hard work of protecting your children. Okay. Children need to know they're safe. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter if you're two years of age and you're James Dobson and you're reaching for daddy's hand just to comfort you that you're there 
or you're a 60-year-old man still wanting to have coffee with dad. It doesn't matter, okay? Please do the good and hard work of protecting your children from danger. Lastly, do the good and hard work of playing with your children. It protects them from danger, okay? Do the good and hard work of playing with your kids. It protects them from danger, okay? Children, in case you don't know this one, they're drawn to fun. They're drawn to laughter. They're drawn to their biggest fan clubs. It's a part of being a kid. It's a part of growing up. Dads who learn to play with their kids, by default, protect them. Dads who don't play with their kids, by default, expose them and put them at risk for some very unhealthy things. Okay? Be, your fan, be, be the fan club for your kids. Love them and care for them. Let me read this. This is from <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2, and I know you guys are real familiar with this, but again, I want you to see the beauty of, of Paul's, Paul's words here. Paul writes, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Do you know there's language here like God's a builder, like God's a carpenter. He's building, he's creating, he's, he's crafting things for us, good works that will work hard and that we will walk in them and walk with him in our work. So, all right, we've got a lot of wisdom in this room. I want to hear from the men. You are the gifted body. Ladies, you too. You're the gifted body of Christ. If we can encourage some men or men, what are some ways that you know we can do the good and the hard work of being an everyday dad to our families? What would you say? Die to self. Die to self. Why? Why is that important, Bruce? It's not about me playing golf, which I don't, or tennis, or whatever. I mean, it's, you've got to pour into your kids uh, so that they'll do the same thing when comes their turn. I don't know what you're looking for. No, that's there. You're there, yeah. You know one of the worst things you can do as a parent to your kids? You ready? Act like you're single. (laughs) That should be on Facebook. Would someone please put that on Facebook, please? That was good. Uh, There you go. Yeah, and if you don't die to self, and by the way, it's that's awfully hard on your spouse too, isn't it? To be married and act like you're single, that's not good. To be a parent and act like you're single is just as wrong, right? And this is why this is the everyday work of a dad. Everyday work. We stay focused, okay? you got to die to self. This is good, Bruce. Someone else. What about encouraging fathers? Other ways you, you can say, hey, this is what my dad did that was, it was the good work that helped build faith in me. What would you say? Teach your, teach your kids how to do the basic life skills. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it be change your oil in the car or mow the yard or yeah. Yeah. hang drywall. Is that abuse? <laughs> <laughs> Is that abuse to make your kids drywall? <laughs> I had a I had a, a kind of an emergency session with a client that drives a few hours in to see me and uh, a wonderful young lady and She'd she'd been crying and she said this. She said, 
I have had my, my mom, my grandmother, and my aunt do everything for me. Everything. They bought cars. They paid for everything. I never had, I never had to learn to do anything, you know. And then all of a sudden, <clears throat> all of a sudden, mom says, enough. We're not doing this anymore for you. You've got to learn to do it yourself. Well, guess what that did to her? Devastating. And she said, I don't know how to be an adult. Now, here's the cool thing from my perspective. The light's on. That's good. That's a great place to start. Turn the light on. Yeah, sure. So you get parents who do everything for their kids, and they do it in their basic life skills. And all of a sudden, the harsh world hits them, and they're floundering because mom and dad never taught them the basic skills of making your bed or emptying the trash when you're told or, or whatever the case may be. So, yeah. Yeah. I have yes. Structure and stability. Yes. We're going to have special prayer for Ron. He lives in a sorority house, and, and we've got to pray for him. Yeah, all girls. That, that was my story. Yeah, still is my story. Yeah, yes, sir, David. I'm not, I'm not a father or anything, but uh, one thing I learned growing up from my dad was you got to learn to discipline when there needs to be discipline, but also be with your kid and celebration of something that's good, that, that the kid did something good. Yeah. yeah. You know, because it needs to be equal on that. It can't be lopsided one way or the other have to have a, a balance of, the, of both. Yes, yes. If you do too much modeling, you know, yes. then they grow up almost like without life skills, but you do too much of the discipline yes. with no congratulatory or no yeah. showing enjoyment or joy for them. It's just a bad Absolutely, thing. yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, don't be afraid to say you're sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's powerful when a dad admits he's wrong. Very powerful. Yep. Yeah, Tiff. Um, my dad believed in anything I wanted to do. When I wanted to play softball, he got out and coached the team. Oh, wow. When I wanted to be on yearbook staff, he helped teach me anything I needed to know, you know, on the computer about how to do it. When I wanted to go to pharmacy school, he believed I could do whatever, whatever wow. I wanted to do. And he was there to encourage and support in any way that he could to help me achieve my goals and dreams. Wow, there you go. I could fail at it or not, he was there with me. Wow, and that's the hard work of being a good dad. Everyday dad, I love it. I love it. Someone else about being a good dad. Jackson, yeah. By the way, I'm Jackson Davis. I'm Ben's dad. I'm climbing over the chair. But uh, I think prayer life is, is neat. And just asking like we heard this morning from Scripture, Yes. got to ask. Yes, and, yes. And out loud, too. Yeah, yeah. Rebecca, where's my daughter, Rebecca? She stepped back out. Oh, hey, Becca. You blessed me so much the other day. I don't know if you realize it. You said, you remember me praying over you every night, asking God to bless you in spirit, soul, and body, making you whole. And uh, thank you for telling me that. You encouraged and built my faith. Thank you so much. Someone else about being uh, the everyday worker of a dad. Andrea? Um, 
Talk about a picture of the grace of God. Ed, you're like the Renaissance man. You know that, don't you? You kind of do it all. You do it all well. You're amazing. By the way, Andrew, that's been reproduced in your son, Jackson. Give Jackson a set of tools and get out of the way. You know, he'll, he'll fix it. He'll take it apart and fix it. It's good stuff. So, Allison. Absolutely. Thank you, Allison. Uh, Randy, um, I think you posted something from Family Life that I thought was brilliant. And it, and it says, uh, there may be only one way to be a great dad, but there's a million ways to be a good dad. Do you remember that? I may have dreamed that. Um, okay, quick, put that on Facebook real quick. Um, I think it's genius because, again, we males with our egos, you know, when we're up at bat, we don't want to get a base hit. What do we want to do? Come on. We, we want it out of the park, and we want the bases loaded. We want the glory of the grand slam. Okay, we appreciate that. Testosterone poisoning, I, I get it. But you know what? Being a good dad is just getting on base. Just get on base. Just hit the ball. That's, it's not hard. There's a million ways to do the good thing, Sure, there might be one strategic way to do the rare, super great thing, but you know what? We can set that aside and just be a good dad. Pray. Memorize scripture. Quote scripture with your kids. Uh, uh, Rebecca, can I put you on the spot? Yes. Hosea 10.12. <sighs> so for yourselves righteousness and reap the fruit of unfailing love for this time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness. Yeah, yeah. That is something we have memorized and quoted at the dinner table countless times in several other scriptures. So we just do it. It's a part of our lives to integrate scripture and prayer with mealtimes and bedtimes. And uh, 
uh, Catherine at 21 years of age will be sitting in the middle of our bed crowding us out. Me and Lisa are tired trying to go to sleep, right? And she'll be right there in the middle and we just talk and carry on and giggle and have a blast and we'll pray and we'll quote scripture. She's 21 and still wants to be with me and Lisa. I'm, I am living the dream. I am so blessed. So, One more. Philip? So a couple of months back I was walking with my dad talking about parenthood and fatherhood and uh, somehow got on to the, the topic of how he raised us and he said ultimately my goal as a dad was to try to transition your dependency on me to dependency on your real father God and that was just so good to hear that from him Yes. Um, and I think a lot of us do that Yes. but then also for tender moments uh I remember he would drive me to school and back or wherever, and we, he would just sing with me, like Stephen Curtis Chapman and Michael <laughs> and Smith. And I, I grew to love him. He really impacted my life yeah. and how he changed me. So wow. even the smallest things he can make tremendous impact on wow. children. Wow. Um, Beautiful. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Joni? to acknowledge that being a good father is hard work and we need to do it consistently we're not a good dad three days all the week and ignore the kids the other four yeah yeah exactly Uh, it is a hard Acknowledge that it is going to be hard and rejoice in that. Yeah, yeah. That you will be rewarded a hundred times over. Absolutely, absolutely. Kaylee? My dad was a, a doctor in a small town, one of two internal medicine doctors, so he was very, very busy. But there was never a time in my life that I didn't feel like my dad was present in my life. Wow. I think for dads, is to be present in his life. Come home and be present. I'll just be there. Yeah, yeah. That's so good, Lee. So good. Yeah. Okay, Macy. Just want to encourage everybody who's not a biological father because I grab breakfast or coffee um, with some of the men in here on Thursdays. And it's such an opportunity for, I mean, Randy and Dave and, and Ed, for them to pour into us and be spiritual fathers to me um, for that Thursday and throughout the week is extremely impactful. So um, we all have opportunities to be uh, spiritual fathers. Yeah, yeah. What did the Apostle Paul call Timothy? What did he say? You are my, yeah, my child. Timothy wasn't his bio child at all. But he even says, he uses some emphatic words in Greek, my true child in the faith. 
And he does the same with other people. And the fact is, uh, there's a lot of folk in the room who don't have uh, biological moms and dads or healthy relationships with their parents. And you know what? The body of Christ can fill some of those needs. Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each of you as a father would his own children. It's okay to do that. We can be family in Christ. Uh, we've got to pray. Time's getting away. Um, uh, men, there's, there's a little boy following you around the lawn. Okay? <laughs> He's watching how you do life. Do the good and the hard work of being an everyday dad. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for the wisdom that's been shared this morning, the truth of your word, the counsel of your people. We have so much to do. We have so many good and right things to do to please you as men, as followers of your son, Jesus Christ, the example that he set. Thank you that you are unfailing. You are a father to the fatherless. You protect. You are always, always with us. You'll never leave us or forsake us. Teach us more about your heart, please. In Jesus' name, amen.